Hello, dear book lovers. My name is Aleida Gomez de Caso, and today I'm in conversation with Lenny Goodings, chair of Virago Press. This is Blackwell's Presents. Hello, Lenny. Thank you for being with us today. Oh, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Today we're going to be talking about your new book, A Bite of the Apple, which is the story of Virago and, of course, the story of your career as well. There are many booksellers behind this book, and it's uh, really not surprising. It's full of uh, useful advice, vast amounts of experience, and what we love most books. I myself have come up with a whole reading list and a table display idea uh, from good. reading it for the shop. Yeah, It was like, I have to order these feminist books, uh, put them on a table and make sure they are read. Um, now you were part of that group of women that set the world on fire from that small room in Wal Walter Street. Thank you. Can you tell us a bit how Virago came to be and um, how was becoming part of it? So Virago was founded in 1973, and the first book was published in 75, and I turned up in 1978, and I went up this um, old staircase, it was uh, in a building in number 5 Wardour Street, sort of on the edge of Leicester Square, which was very seedy, and down at the bottom was a pinball arcade, and then up dirty staircases past a gentleman's club, and at the very top were three women pounding away on typewriters, Carmen Khalil, Ursula Owen, and Harriet Spicer. And I just thought, oh my God, I've arrived. I've come to a place where feminism, creativity, women's enterprises, um, fabulous books is the very air we breathe. That is once I caught my breath, because it was quite a long ways up the stairs. <laughs> I imagine. Um, it must have been really exciting. Yeah. Um, you it was say very exciting. They, it was very early days. Virago, was, Virago came out of the women's liberation movement. Mm. And um, in 1972, there were two very famous magazines got going. One was Spare Rib in, a, in the UK and the other was Ms. Magazine in America, same year, 72. And there were all sorts of newsletters and women's groups meeting. There were marches, all sorts of things, but there wasn't a publishing house. And so at that stage in the mid-70s, a lot of feminists got together and started making publishing houses. So Women's Press was formed soon after that, too. There was something called Only Women Before Us, okay. Sheba, Pandora. In America, wonderful things called Shameless Hussy or Kitchen Table Press. You know, so it was women wanting to have their voices heard, women's stories to get center stage in book publishing, not just in magazines. And yeah, and this is actually something that you, you explain very well in your book, all about these this magazines and the whole movement. Um, you say in your book, actually, that Virago had the drive to bring to prominent voices from the margins to write the imbalance to show the world that um, we are all enriched by women's voices. Mm. You're talking about, obviously, publishing women, finally. Um, which voices do you believe to be now in the margins that perhaps need to be given space? Today? Yeah, nowadays. I mean, women still. <laughs> yes, yeah, certainly women. I, still, I think women of colour. Mm -hmm, I think working-class voices. Um, and in this country, so you'll warm to this being Spanish, you know, this country is pretty much wants English language books, I think. You know, we're not, it's not, I mean, we go in fads, you know, there's Scandi crime, and then there were South American books when I first came into publishing. But they're, they're more fashions. Um, but I think, on the whole, British people like to read either North American or British voices. So I think those are the, the voices from the margins. I mean, one of Virago's points always was, not to be seen as marginal. You know, what we yeah. said right from the beginning was 
we're 52% of the population. We're not marginal. But our experiences were being seen as marginal. And um, so we, we wanted to bring those right to the center and march down the high street the same as anyone else. Yeah, I mean, and fair enough. Um, uh, something else that you mentioned about the feminist movement is the um, disagreements that um, there used to be around this. And when I was reading it, I thought, well, how sad, because we still have a lot of disagreements um, within the feminist movement. And how does that make you feel like you've been fighting for this for so long and that there's still... Um, I think it's kind of issues. It's a sort of characteristic of the left. I mean, if you look at the way the Labour Party is fighting amongst itself, too... It's a, it's a very curious aspect of the women's movement or any political left movement that it does seem, to my mind, to be counterproductive in some ways, is it really does want to wash its dirty laundry, you know, out in, in, in full view of everybody. I mean, I understand because it comes from a sort of feeling that you want to change things and you want things changed right from the ground up. But it does seem to me that we are attacking the wrong people you know when women fight amongst themselves women on the left or feminists on the left fight amongst themselves it's like it's lost um, sight of what the real problem is the problem is patriarchy you know the problem is not you know your idea of revolution is not my idea of revolution and I feel I feel saddened by that I, mm. I feel very saddened by that because I think we could do if we pulled together more we could be more effective Yeah, and no, I mean, I, I agree because I myself uh, many times think, like, obviously I understand that discussions need to happen and actually we, we progress through these discussions, um, but at the same time, you know, supporting each other and agreeing on the basics and perhaps to bring things forward is so important as well. So, um, yeah, fair enough. Um, your writing is, in my opinion, when I read the book, incredibly open and honest, but also you're very good at describing environments. Oh, like, you know, you. I can totally see, you know, the cats in, um, <laughs> in Carmen's house yes, and uh, herself playing with um, her friends in the piano and singing. Have you ever thought about writing fiction? Oh, um, that's very complimentary. Thank, <laughs> you, thank you so much. Um, all these these pictures are very, very alive in my mind. I don't know if I would do fiction or not. But I did know that I, what I wanted to do with this book is not just not have it dry. And I felt, you know, these these days and in the early days in Virago, but also going out on the road with Maya Angelou and Margaret Atwood, Sarah Waters, people like that, they're very, very vivid times. And so I wanted to paint, paint that picture. Um, I hope I haven't written any fiction. <laughs> I don't think I have. <laughs> It's all true. It's as true as I see it. <laughs> okay. I oh, talk a lot it. about truth, actually, in terms of, um, yeah. or I think a lot about truth in seeing, and who gets to tell the stories, back to mm. a question about marginalization, who gets to tell the stories. And once you put the story down on a page, you know, the, the responsibility that comes with that, because then you've told the story. That's what looks official. I've tried to be really careful not to overclaim for myself, not to overclaim for Virago, actually, too. You know, that we are part of something bigger. I know yeah. that sounds sort of falsely modest, and I don't really, I don't mean to be, I'm, I'd like to be a person who owns the power I have, but also to acknowledge that there are a lot of people who contribute to these stories. Absolutely. Um, going back to Virago, um, I think it's an, an amazing example of entrepreneurship and... I, I just wonder, like, how, how did you know how to do everything you were getting done? 
Um, I mean, in the book, you talk about selling to Little Brown, for example, and how lawyers would um, uh, talk to, you know, you would see them going in and out of Carmen's office and things like that. So, like, I feel like you were obviously very knowledgeable about literature. And you were all, like, passionate about books. But you were also, like, doing business as well. Mm. Was that your background? No, um, not at all. Something that you were learning as you were going yeah, no, along? We all, I think we all learned that as we went along, actually. But I think... What I love about publishing, you know, publishing is not a library, publishing is not a lobbying group. Publishing is about making something beautiful or powerful or um, outrageous and finding a market for it and saying to the world, there are people out there who should know this story or who will warm to this story or this is their story. And what I really love about publishing is the combination of the commerce and the art or the idealism and the capitalism even, um, and the business side of it. I do find that really, it's very stimulating. Actually, it's a tension that I really warm to. Um, so I think we all found out how to do things as we went along, to and, be um, frank. And you were talking about this tension as well. You were saying about, obviously, Virago being a family yes. and uh, all the love that was there, but at the same time, the tension and, and how these can sometimes um, bring things forward as yeah. well. And Well, yeah. if you have a, a group of women or men, um, who feel passionately about something. Um, feelings will run high. There's ideas about, you know, not everybody can have their own uh, way. Um, but we, these, in various times, we've all put our money into Virago. Um, when we did a management buyout, we, you know, we, we really put ourselves on the line for these, this kind of thing. Um, I think what, what I would say is that any group of passionate people will disagree. Um, sometimes tension is productive, sometimes it's not. But what I mind is that when you get a group of women who disagree, it is immediately demeaned as catfighting. And it's very interesting to me that some of the reviews that I've had so far, I've had some nice reviews, but some of them have said, you haven't talked enough about the catfighting. And I'm thinking, you know what, that's what I'm writing about in the book, is that I don't want an, a women's enterprise to be you know, diminished and dismissed as a bunch of women just fighting. Um, of course, that's part of the history, I, and I'm honest about that, but it's not the history. It's not the only part of the history. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and also, I have some bookish questions, because okay. you're a Blackwell, so I'm, we have to ask these things. So, first of all, can you recommend our listeners a book or a couple of books that you've read lately? It may last some time. You know, any book um, recommendations? I would recommend Marilyn Robinson okay. to anybody. I love her book so much. Lila, Home, and and we're about to publish this year, Jack. It's the fourth book in the in her uh, court is now which has now become a quartet. I would always recommend her that. Saleswoman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> selling the next one there. Yeah, I'm selling the Very next good. one. Of course, Very I'm good. still publisher, aren't I? Very good. <laughs> um, Sarah Waters, Sarah Dunant. Sonia Prunell wrote a really interesting book called A Woman of No Importance. Oh, yeah. Which is about a spy who people didn't really know. I've got another book coming this year called The Light of Days, an untold story of women in the Jewish uh, resistance movement within the ghetto by Judy, Judy Battalion. Ooh, I mean, this. I mean, to be honest, asking a publisher her favorite book <laughs> is a bit like asking her mother, a mother, her favorite child, you know. No, fair we enough. Don't, we don't have enough. that. <laughs> yeah, then... Okay, I understand. That's fair enough. Um, what about a book that was your favourite when you were a child? So I would definitely, being Canadian, I would definitely go for Anne of Green Gables, of course. 
um, and also Little Women. But the book I think people don't know as much in this country, which I love to bits, was Harriet the Spy by Louise Fitzhugh. Okay. And it's about a young girl who's very, um, it grows up in um, Park Lane in America and is, does, is from a slightly fractured family and she decides to be a spy. And so she writes everything down in her notebook and she, she follows her friends. And then unfortunately, as you can expect, the notebook gets found. So it's kind of disaster, but for for her, but things come right again in the end. I love that book so much, actually. I loved I loved her powers of observation. I loved her feeling about being slightly on the outside. That would be a very inspiring book for me. We need to stock it in. <laughs> and Celine Blackwell's is really good. And then, which book are you most waiting for that's yet to be published? This could be something that. Perhaps an author does not have in mind yet, but then you think, mm. you know, this author wrote this book, they should do a second part, or like, you know, or maybe something that it is actually going to be published. And Hilary Mantel for tomorrow, it's no valid. <laughs> because everyone... Everyone wants that. Hilary yeah. Mantel. <laughs> um, I, would, I am waiting for a new Sarah Waters. Okay. But I, we'd also, at Virago, we talk a lot about the fact that we, we do a lot of literature, we do a lot of history, we do politics... We do classic writers and we do contemporary fiction. What we're missing, I think, we all think, is we don't have a lot of women scientists. We don't have stories about science. And I think that it seems to be a bit more of the last frontier. I mean, I know more women are coming forward telling their stories of working in labs and, and discovering things. But the whole getting girls to study these subjects still seems to be a great hurdle. And it's, it's showing in the literature, too. We don't have a lot of books by women scientists. Yeah, well, that's that's very true. <laughs> um, there has um, there's been quite a trend this year though about um, non-fiction, like so, like biographies, and particularly in children's publishing, it's quite interesting. There's been a lot of um, scientists, women scientists, being um, yeah biographies, but not really getting published. Not the same thing, is it? So I think yeah, you're that's very looking right back, making yeah. sure that we know exactly. Madame Curie and yeah, it's and not some the of the same. women who won the Nobel mm. and things like that. But that's yeah, and that's good. Obviously, until we know our history, we can't go forward. I mean, I really do believe that. You know, you need, we need to stand on, each, on the shoulders of the women who went ahead of us. But I, I feel this is an area that, that we should, I would like to publish more in. Good. And just to finalize on that, um, on that topic, where do you see Virago going? Or where would you like to go? Or? I think Virago has got a very nice balance. That I mean, I think it's you know one of the reasons that Virago has survived is partly because we've been bu- uh, savvy in terms of business, in terms of uh, who, where we've gone. We've had 10 different offices, seven different owners, and here we are still. We're still true to ourselves. I mean, I think it would be difficult to form something like Virago in the middle of a conglomerate, but we, are, we came to a conglomerate and we were fully formed, and there's always been a great honor given to us and they honor and don't asset strip or anything you know except who we are um but the reason i think we have survived this long is because we're not prescriptive we don't say if you're a feminist you must act like this you must do this you must read this we also we have a wide range of books we have fabulous classics we have polemic we have young women we have older women you know it's kind of we're, we're we've set ourselves the um, the aim to mirror women's experience, to put women's lives and achievements center stage. Yeah, you've given and them space. Definitely. I don't think that's. Yeah. I don't think the need for that's gone away, mm. and I don't think 
um, I think it's a pretty good way of continuing. Good, good. Um, well, thank you very much for coming today. It was a pleasure to have you here. And thank you for um, replying so honestly to all my questions. Thank you. Um, and we hope to see you again in the show, perhaps for an event one day. Oh, I'd like to do that. <laughs> thank you. Very good. Thank you very much.